Shooters Connection offers products for competition shooters by competition shooters. With over 80 years of combined competition shooting experience, Shooters Connection is staffed by master and grandmaster shooters who live the shooting sports every day. Every day. We offer same-day shipping. Shooters Connection also sponsors over 100 of your matches every single year. So when it comes to finding everything you need to compete as a beginner or a seasoned grandmaster, Shooters Connection is the only name you need to know. Online at ShootersConnectionStore.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Hit Factor. Tonight we are doing a bit of a uh, panel uh, discussion review for the Area three candidates. Um, so we have on. I actually don't know all of y'all's last names. So I'll just let y'all introduce yourselves, uh, starting with Scott and then Luke and then Kevin. So give us uh, just introduce yourself and then give us like a brief overview. What's your involvement in the sport right now? What's it been for the last five years? So you first, Scott. Sure. Um, my name is Scott Arnberg. I'm out of Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, I've been involved with USPSA for, you said the last 15, well, for the last five years for sure. Uh, I think I've been an RO for 17 years. Uh, the last five years I've been involved with uh, running uh, the Iowa section match, Area 3, um, and then our local club. Um, as far as USPSA involvement, uh, Worked nationals. Uh, I am an, a range master. Um, in the past, I've been Iowa section coordinator. I did that for a decade. Some years of service there. And yes, you do put on the excellent uh, Iowa section match. All right, good. Uh, Luke, you go ahead. Yeah, so um, shot my first USPSA match actually in 2008, right when I turned 18. And uh, I had to take some time off because ammo and money. But I got back into it heavy in 2019 is when I started seriously uh, competing and um, started running matches right around that same time at my local club. I have an indoor club two minutes away from my house. Um, What else? Uh, I do a lot. I work for federal. um, So I do a lot of travel into major matches and competing at major matches. I think that's that's about it. That's your quick synopsis. Yeah, excellent. Kevin. Uh, okay, I'll jump in. Yeah. Um, so good evening. Uh, my name is Kevin Collins. I'm uh, from southeast Minnesota, specifically Rochester is where I've uh, lived for the last number of years. I've uh, lived my whole life in Area 3, actually, uh, but in, been in Minnesota. I guess I've been in Minnesota longer than... Uh, in Iowa, where I was born now, so I guess that makes me a native almost. Um, I've been shooting USPSA since May of 2009. I think that's 13 years. I've been an RO almost that entire time. Uh, I took over our club, uh, the local club, the Pine Island Practical Shooters in Pine Island, Minnesota. Um, I took that over in 2012, and I'm still the match director there. We built it to be the uh, most active club in Minnesota. Uh, we're proud of that, and we keep trying to grow and and uh, build on the sport locally. I was a section coordinator in Minnesota from 2013 through 2017 for a five-year period, and then I stepped aside to let others take take that on. So that's my background. 
I can certainly understand the step aside. Generally, when you're running something like this, you, you just got to step aside so somebody else will take over eventually. Otherwise, you end up running your local club until you're completely burned out or your section or area. That's or exactly right. All right. So, what, well, Jeff, get settled back in here and we can uh, queue up some questions. So, uh, on the screen, my order of people is going to be, as we just discussed there, Scott, Luke, and then Kevin. So, when we ask a question, we'll have you guys each answer it. And then uh, if some discussion pops up from it, we'll go from there on it. Uh, Jeff, Sounds would good. you like to queue up the first question, please? You want me to queue it up first? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, first question. We have, and these questions came from our Discord channel. We posted in there earlier today once we figured out we were going to be doing this recording. So these questions came from there. So you, this, these are questions that are coming from people who are um, somewhat invested in the sport uh, as they took the, you know, the step to, to join our Discord. So first question is, is USPSA a hobby or a sport? It's both. Um, you know, it, uh, if you look at the 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 the, the, pre- def- the definition of a professional sports person, um, that's someone that is paid for it. Um, and so, very few of us uh, in the sport are actually paid for it. Um, and so, by definition, then it would be a hobby. Um, but I'm not sure why a distinction would matter. Either it's important to you or it's not. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything to add to that. He hit exactly my points. It's it's both, and uh, really, does the distinction matter? Um, I, I don't know. It's just uh, nomenclature at that point. Kevin, I have nothing to add either. I agree with I agree with that wholeheartedly. I there's very few that can consider this a a sport in the sense that they get paid for it, as Scott said, but. Uh, most of us are in it as a hobby and a very popular hobby at that. But, but I mean, you know, I, I just pulled up the definition of sport. Sport, an activity involving physical exertion or skill in which an individual, individual or team competes against an others, another or others for entertainment. So, I mean, meets, meets a definition of sport and hobby, uh, not coming up, but I'm sure it, an act, a hobby and activity done regularly in one's leisure time for pleasure. So do we compete? Yes. Is it for pleasure? Yes. It's both for everyone, regardless of level. Okay. Jared, you want to answer? No, I, I actually think that's a, you know, I've always kind of thought of it more as a, uh, a sport to me because I take it pretty serious. It's something I care a lot about, but at the end of the day, it really does hit both definitions. Uh, just because it's one does not mean it's the, it's not the other. Uh, no different than anything else though. There's people that people that play like softball as a sport and as a hobby. Don't you think it changes as our interest changes? Um, You know, as as we progress through the through the the hobby or the sport, you know, initially it may be a hobby, uh, but then as we get serious and and starting to push the competition and wanting to excel, um, and then it changes, um, and then as uh, uh, as we age, we realize that uh, uh, we're never, never, or not going to be at the very pinnacle of the sport anymore. 
um, and we start to look for other ways to find fulfillment uh, and still be involved. Okay, so I, I feel like all of you guys sort of answered the question from a competitor's standpoint. Um, so from more, let's, let's say from more of an administrative standpoint at the top tier, what, what, how do you think this organization should be treated as a, a competition or as a hobby? Like which, which one should be catered to, or is it equal? Like kind of, kind of answer the question from that lens, I guess. So let's, let's start again and go Scott. Well, I think, um, you know, let's take the, the sectional that I just ran as or helped run as an option as an example. Um, as we were walking the stages the the day before, um, I'm talking to my design team and I said, you know, I don't want to have a target here that a a D or an unclassified shooter cannot hit if they don't take the the time needed. Um, and with the exception of Jared Swingers, um, and and honestly, if you moved out and moved out of the final position, you could take them straight on. Um, there wasn't a target there that a, a hobbyist could not hit. But at the same time, the stages were such that a, uh, a sports person or a serious competitor pushing that speed could really get themselves into trouble pretty quickly. Um, and so as a, a match organizer and a range master or whatever your role is, um, you, you have to make sure that you fit all skill levels and give everybody an opportunity and, and don't discourage that next generation of potential volunteers and shooters and uh, sports people. All right, Luke. I mean, the, the approach, I don't see the approach being any different. You know, when you look at the organization, is the organization catering to a hobby or, you know, focused on a hobby or focused on a sport? It's, it's, this, it's one and the same. Uh, you don't have the hobby without the sport and vice versa. Um, so, uh, you know, the importance of competitive equity, for example. Well, like the, the, if the sport crumbles, the hobby crumbles. If competitive equity isn't there, um, then, then the, the whole thing comes apart. So, um, like I said, from the get go, I think they're so intertwined. You can't, that they're, they're one and the same to me. I don't see them as separate things. Kevin. I will say that, um, I think as has been implied before the, the hobbyists, I think generates the, the people that might consider this a sport. I think it's a level of maturity as you, as you become more and more involved. I don't think this will ever reach the level where this is uh, this isn't a sport in the sense of a spectator sport for general audiences that are going to be willing to come in and pay and watch this. I don't see it that way. I see this as hobbyists that are very interested and become more competitive over time and um, develop a love and a and a dedication to the sport. But I think you got to deal. I think you got to treat it as both. All right. All right. So uh, next question is going to be, do you intend to MD the area match? Uh, would you like it to differ from other area matches? In other words, will it be hosey, technical, staff reset? Why might a competitor shoot area three as opposed to another area match? And I will post this in the chat yeah and when you guys think about this too 
uh, you know, obviously we're probably a more serious competitor than most we travel more than others. Think of it more from maybe the average guy who an area match is the biggest match they're going to shoot all year. You know, they might be shooting one or two section matches or something that are local to them, but that area match is their big match this season. Why are they choosing area three over other matches? I mean, it would be the same for, for me. If I can only go to two area matches, why would I pick area three over a different area one? Yeah. Well, I think, Jared, the answer to your question for most people is uh, location. Right? If, if you're going to pick one major match a year, you're going to pick the closest one if you're only going to one, right? Yes, but you think of it this way, too. So for a good chunk of our people living in Area 3, Grand Island is no more convenient than Orlando, Florida. So I personally like Grand Island. I love how much Hornaday supports us up there. But for someone that lives in St. Louis, it really isn't any more convenient, probably less convenient than flying to Orlando and shooting something in Area 6. So think of it from that standpoint. So do I attend to – so am I first, or are we going to change the order around each time? That would probably oh, yeah, be a good, good idea. idea. Uh, Luke, cool. we'll have you go I'll, first. I'll kick this one off. Um, so uh, I actually just put out the answer to this question. It's on my website, uh, faust.systems backslash area three. Um, so first, you know, my plan, if you will, uh, the first year, 2023, Kevin Collins is currently the area director. Um, I've seen on the USPSR website, he's actually already got a date that came out, which um, that I, I think that's tentative right now. But I have no plans to interfere with that at all. By the time this election is done, we're going to be potentially well into 2023. 2023, I would allow, you know, Kevin, keep doing your thing. You got plans, roll with them. I wouldn't in- interfere at all. From 2024 onward, I intend to delegate the role. Uh, of the area th- area three championship match director um, to the person and proposal chose by popular vote. So on my website, I have a system laid out as far as a cutoff date, a proposal template for uh, any match director would want to host it to download, um, and then a system uh, in which I demoed in another area, but a system that'll be out there for uh, for everyone to vote on which proposal they want. So you know who who am I? Like I I there's things I like about Grand Island. There's things I don't. Uh, I know the other clubs, obviously I'm here in Minnesota, so I know that we have uh, clubs that would potentially be capable, but I don't know all the logistics that I don't know exactly what the other clubs within the area that are capable. So um, instead of me just making the decision that I want, that I think is best, um, I would uh, help facilitate presenting those options to the membership so that the majority can make the decision they want. And maybe that decision is Grand Island, maybe it isn't, but the members will have the voice to make that choice. Okay. Is that kind of what they vote you in for? Yeah. So we have, uh, and, and we we may have a differing view of um, how to manage or how to be an elected representative. Um, there's obviously going to need to be decisions that I just make. Um, but um, the modern age of technology allows me to Del, uh, to 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 disseminate more more involvement from the membership, more voice in the membership, and um, especially in in things that are like that, where where I'm already going to need a bunch of help to uh, to make that happen, and um, 
yeah, I see no reason why I wouldn't delegate it down or not, not necessarily delegate it down, but uh, yeah, delegate that decision to the membership. Um, it's uh, it's certainly a, a radical concept in, uh, I mean, even in modern democracy, but in, uh, in, in USPSA as well. But uh, it, I've, I've done it. It's on my website right now. It's not hard to do. And, uh, and why not? I wish I had a voice. I wish I got to vote for where my area championship was the last three years that I've been shooting seriously. That'd be cool. Okay. And, so, um, uh, and why would someone shoot area three over other area matches if, if you were the area director, Luke? Oh, so if, if I was running it, um, you know, <laughs> once again, I, I plan on delegating it. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's up to uh, the, the match director to have their style. Um, if I was running it, it'd be much, much, very much similar. The best, the best area match I've shot to date was Matt Hopkins this year. Uh, much more of an IPSC flavor to it. All IPSC targets, um, lower hit factors, um, really intricate short courses, uh, no circusy stuff, gimmicks. I thought that was really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, that that's how I would do it. But once again, uh, I may put a proposal in the in the hat for if I were to do it. But um, the the members will decide. So. Uh, let me jump in and answer a couple of these questions. Um, first of all, um, it is not tentative. The date is not tentative. It's 7-20 through 23 of 2023. We're actually late in setting that date. Um, and and if I had my druthers, I would have picked the more traditional Area 3 date. But um, this can't be put off any further. I don't know who will be uh, when the election and they will have to worry about the match director. If, if I win the election, I fully intend to be the match director. I won't delegate that. Um, I did look around this this area. Area 3 has a, a large number of very good clubs. I've, I've shot at many of them. Um, however, in this case, for 2023, it wasn't clear who was going to be the match director, and, or the uh, uh, area director, rather. And so it seemed to me the best answer would be to leave it right where it is. I think if you find out, I, I explored a, uh, several different options. And I think if you find out the level of support that we get both from Hornady and Grand Island, it is very hard to duplicate this somewhere else. And I, I honestly didn't realize the level of support we get. It's huge. And uh, we certainly can't what is uh, that discount this. Pardon me? Well, I, I can. I could chime in here for just a second. I was a uh, um, sponsorship coordinator for Area 3 for three, four, five years running. And I could tell you that Hornady puts up thousands of dollars in price table support in addition to people on the ground providing labor. Um, I, you know, I fully support Kevin's decision uh, to put it in, in, in Grand Island again. Um, I, I think Matt even came out and said that that there was thousands of dollars at stake when he made the decision for 2022. Um, and so Kevin hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of places that could, but man, when you combine in the Hornady support, um, it's a lot to leave on the table and you're just taken away from the, the area three competitors at that point. Yeah. And to be clear, I would look at options and see what else might be available, but but at the end of the day, I'm not going to go pull the broader P 
people. I, I honestly won't take that approach. I'd like to look at the options available, take people's input, and see where we can concoct the best agreement that's best for Area 3 overall. So the reason why I thought that date was tentative is because right when it came up on the website, uh, USPSA announced they're holding multi-gun nationals at Forest Lake, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So I figured I, you know, I saw that and I was like, wow, that's really shitty for all the Minnesota competitors. They got to decide, Hey, do we want to shoot multi-gun in our backyard, multi-gun gnats, or do we want to drive to Nebraska for a three? It's on the same weekend. Yep. That, that is unfortunate. So that is that is, the that way is unfortunate. Be. I think the I think the overlap is minimal, but I do believe I do agree that's very unfortunate. Same thing happened before, except except it uh, the area three w didn't make it through the system in time, and we got laid right on top of, uh, and our date went away. So this date you have to close it with the sponsor. You got to close it with the public park. Um, I did all those things, and in the process, uh, in parallel, apparently, Force Lake was working the multi-gun. So it is unfortunate, but there, uh, I think the overlap, hopefully, is minimal. Gotcha. And Kevin, um, if since you did say you were going to be MDing the match, why, if yeah. you were the MD of the match, why would somebody come shoot Area Three over a different area? match yeah i i so i uh, that's a very good question and i tell you i really like the area three match that that matt put on this year i think he did a great job my goal would be to have a fun and exciting match and um that has challenging stages but that um uh, with with a lot of options to me that's really the gauge of how you distinguish uh, one one set of um, courses of fire versus another, and that is having options where you don't see all the competitors shooting it in this in the same process. And that will be my goal. We took a we we got a bunch of feedback. I just got it from Matt today. Uh, he's compiled all the feedback we got from the uh, the survey we did as a result uh, with the Area Three uh, participants, and we've got quite a bit of this feedback. In fact, I. I just printed it off earlier today, so we'll be going through this and trying to incorporate those into next year's planning. So would it, would it be fair to say, so obviously, while Sherwin was area director, the uh, match had a, a very certain flavor, uh, <laughs> uh, often yeah. called Xerxy or gimmick or, or along those lines, were, were Matt's flavor i would describe as fairly technical but it was it was straight up shooting was shooting challenges yes. there wasn't a lot of other bs in the way uh, which side of the spectrum do you anticipate being on i would be on the matt side of the spectrum i don't want to create a bunch of circusy stages we did get some feedback that said gee it'd be nice to have you know something uh in, in that in that arena but not not most of the the uh match we'll see what what we're uh, where we go with this? I've already talked with Matt. Matt's can, Matt's interested, has expressed an interest in helping uh, design the stages next year. So I would definitely, Jared, in answer to your question, be more along the lines of that. I wanted to be shooting exercise with some athleticism, but not an athletic contest. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, um, Scott. 
All right, so let's start at the top here. Uh, would I serve as match director? Um, I, yes, I would have a, a lot of involvement at that. Would I be the sole match director? No. Um, honestly, putting on a match of this size is not something you do by yourself. You have to put down, you have to put together a, a team of people. Um, you know, I've I've run, you know, I, I don't know, I added it up a while back. I've run 300 plus club matches. Uh, I've done 10 section championships. Uh, I've RM'd for, I don't know, more than that. Um, and it, 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 no one person can do it. Well, they could do it once and they'd never do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it, for an area three match, you know, you're going to need a, a team of eight to 10 people um, on the logistics side. And that's away from your ROs. Uh, so this, this last Iowa sectional we have, I co-match direct with Andrew and we kind of split things down the middle. You know, he does stats. I, I do stages. Um, this year I broke in two new stage designers, um, that we, uh, farmed that out, uh, to make sure that we, we got more input and more flavor. Um, and I would just, uh, carry that template right into area three, uh, just on a, a grander scale. Uh, the big difference for Area Three and and the the section matches I've run is is the prize table, um, and that's its own little entity that takes hours and hours. Um, you know, I, I would guess forty fifty hours a week of work uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, you, you've got to know when to hit people. Um, th- there's a lot of of behind the scenes that goes on that you don't realize. Um, would the match, uh, what kind of flavor? Um, I, I think I'm kind of a known entity when it comes to stage design. Um, you know, I think it should be a shooting sport first. Um, the, the fewer stupid human tricks that we have to do, the better. Um, at the same time, um, you know, we're not in this. If we want to stand and shoot, we can shoot steel challenge. Uh, so you better be able to move and you better be able to, uh, uh, to move through a stage uh, efficiently. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we want to run the whole gamut. Um, you know, we have 14, 15 stages. Uh, you can hit a lot of area with that. Um, why would you shoot area three as opposed to anywhere else? Uh, you know, like we started initially, uh, location uh, is less than ideal. There is no airport there. What's it, a two-hour drive from Omaha? Is that the closest flying airport? Um, I- I've never flown, so I'll admit a little ignorance there. Um, other than if you count from a tree stand to the ground. Uh, I made that flight once. Um, so um, you come to Area 3 for the experience. Um, one thing that I remember from previous area threes that I haven't seen in a while is the tour of Hornady's facility. Uh, I'd love to get that set back up again. I missed it. And I was, I heard it was pretty cool. Um, rumor has it, they're building a primer factory. I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, but that, the rumor is that they're going to have a facility to compete with federal uh and as amount of scale wise i'll believe it when i see it oh I, I, I mean i hope they do i uh i want i want more primers just as much as anyone but we'll see yeah. uh one thing i wanted to circle back on that that kind of became 
apparent. So we have nationals, HQ planning nationals, and then we have area matches. And there was no communication in order to like, hey, these are the dates we're looking at until everything was already in stone. That seems, um, I mean, I guess not like unlikely, but I mean, that, that seems like a symptom of a problem there. Thoughts, Kevin? I agree with you, Lou. Luke, this is, um, I was surprised that we didn't discuss this as a, as a group. Apparently they, uh, have done this, the board did this in the past, but, um, since when people started delegating out the, the, um, the MD roles, a lot of the MDs took it upon themselves to go ahead and schedule dates. This is the way it was explained to me. Um, I think we got to get back to the point where we coordinate and, um, easiest way to do that is to try to pick a consistent time during the year, right? That, uh, and, and stick with your, your time period if you can. Yep. Um, and that's yeah. what I expected to have happen and did not. So, um, that's something we have to fix. I agree. And as you, as you said earlier, it's, uh, it's too late. Nothing's going to change now. Is, is that correct? Well, I don't see anything changing at this point. The contracts, the contracts in place, and the dates have been set. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many shooters are going to be in the same boat as me, but uh, I'll be honest, I'm salty about that. That sucks. I was, uh, I was looking forward to shooting both. All right, let's uh, let's move on to this question, and just to to keep things rolling, let's avoid circling back and re-answering questions because we'll just we'll just end up re-answering questions over and over all right so this time we're starting with kevin right okay uh what factors should uspsa consider when adding or removing divisions <laughs> um this i'm glad you brought this up this is a very good question it's on a lot of people's minds we i've talked to i can't tell you how many people when i go to matches uh, we get into this conversation um we've had a proliferation of of division changes over the last couple of years that have led to a as you guys all know a big imbalance between the between the divisions and the correct answer, in, in my opinion, is not that we should just simply create yet another division. I think we have to step back and, and think about this from a different perspective. How do, we, how do we make this a sport that can be enjoyed by all um, and, and still be able to um, afford them the ability to compete on a national level and, um, and not find that their, their chosen division is no longer, you know, no longer accepted. Um, there was, in fact, Jared and I got into an interesting conversation on, on Saturday, we were talking about the, you know, the way that maybe utilizing a, an approach, a different approach in, in, uh, in match design, like, uh, like is done with Ipsic with their three, two, one approach to, to try to level the playing field and, and put people in, um, level the playing field across different divisions. Um, I think that, uh, to, to clarify, I, I, go ahead. I said to clarify, I wasn't meaning to level the, I didn't say level the playing field across divisions. No. I was referring to balancing this sport across stages. So, yep. Uh, especially right. in USPSA, it's become very hosy where we generally shoot 32 round stages more often than not. 
Yep. Just to exactly. clarify where the conversation was. Yeah, thank you, Jared. That's 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 a fair comment. I agree with you. Um, the um, I, I think I, I don't want to get into the business of removing divisions, but I think we need to think at a at a at a higher level. Can we somehow combine them into you know if you look at next year's nationals, for example, carry optics is broken out separate because of the large number of shooters. And then we have an optics nationals and a iron sights nationals. And I think maybe there's something like that, that we could, uh, uh, follow a model similar to that, um, um, in the future. I don't know if I answered your question or not. <laughs> I, I, that's your answer. That's your answer. I think that's an appropriate answer. Uh, Scott, what do you got? What factors should USPSA consider when adding or removing divisions? Well, I think the, the, the first step has to be uh, we have to have a little more rule stability. Uh, the, the, we've had gone through a lot of changes very quickly in the last couple of years. Uh, on top of that, we are seeing ammo shortage, gun shortage, rampant inflation. Um, I think we're kind of in strange times. So I think the biggest mistake USPSA could do right now would be to make a bunch of changes. Um, uh, carry optics is hugely popular. Um, and I think you just wait and this will balance itself back out. Um, you know, the somewhere, the, the number of, uh, if we we're talking about national specifically, there's like 1,100 distinct competitors that shot nationals in the last year. Right. That's not that many. Right. We have 30,000 members, 1100 shoot nationals. Um, you know, you sure. Carry optics nationals was the biggest nationals. But if you look at the crossover, there's a lot of crossover. Um, and so, you know, production is suffering um, right now. I think carry optics is super popular because ammo is expensive and it's hard to get. Um, once that balances out a little bit, I think we'll see the other divisions start to fill back up and carry optics will dwindle to what it, a more normal is. So what factors should USPSA consider? You know, I think they need to consider where is the current gun industry? Um, you know, they, the red dot sites is the new fad. And so we're seeing a lot of people flock to it. Um, but just like the, the six inch limited guns, uh, they came and went. Kevin, you've been around long enough to remember that. Uh, yeah. We had five-inch light guns. Then we went to six-inch long guns. Now now we're kind of back to five-inch guns. It's like anything else. It, it goes in cycles. Um, we USPSA needs to be very, very careful not to chase the flavor of the month and not to respond to current market pressures. All right. Luke? Uh, so I got three notes here. Uh, the first one is um, one person will likely not intimately understand all the divisions. So um, when looking at um, the intricacies of division rules and, and guns within open, for example, I'm not an open shooter. I've never shot open. I don't know. Um, and, and so that's that's something to, to keep in mind. Um, and as far as uh, the limit of my perspective, um, Volume of competitors in a division is uh, is a big factor, um, and and that's pretty easy to mine data via via practice score. Um, for example, uh, if you look at the number of limited ten shooters at every area match for the last three years, it's pretty dismal. Um, 
And then my, I'm going to fall back on, you know, my third point being my point pretty universally, which is uh, I believe that the board of directors role is to um, organize and, uh, and, you know, develop the proposals and, uh, and push it for the membership to make the decision. So, Hey, we want to, for example, cause I just brought that example, cut L10, put together the proposal, push it to membership, pull the membership, see what they want, go from there. Uh, as new divisions, as divisions separate, as divisions fall off, as divisions come together, put together a proposal, present it to the membership, go with what the membership decides. So a big factor for me is what does the membership want? And not just what I think they want, but what do they actually want via open poll? All right. That's good. Okay. So these next uh, three, four-ish or four or five questions are somewhat a bit more controversial. I'll throw that out there first. Let's avoid getting into discussion with each other and just try to answer the questions. Also, I am going to put a disclaimer out here. This podcast will be published. If you don't want what you say to be published, don't say it. Or don't answer the question. That's an option, too. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with Scott, right? Yep. Yep. Here's a question. Do you feel USPSA leadership decisions are appropriately transparent? If not, what would you support doing to restore trust in leadership? Um, well, no, I don't feel they're appropriately transparent. Um, I'm hopeful uh, that by having an executive director so I've been around USPSA long enough to, to, to be when we had an executive director um, and a separate president, and then they combined that into a role and hired Foley, and now Foley's gone away and we've gone back. And one of the things that I keep hearing out of the current board of the reasons they, they won't televise board meetings and other stuff is that they can't do it with employee stuff. Great. We have an executive director. Let the executive director handle all the employee stuff. The board handles the big picture. The board handles the direction of the organization. Uh, the handles uh, nationals. You know, it's it's listed right in the bylaws what the board is supposed to do. Um, if we take out all of that employee stuff out of the board meeting, there's no reason why we couldn't televise those and make them more. Um, open to every member you know i've been a member of a nonprofit board for over 15 years uh, our member our meetings are open to every member all the time um there is nothing that's said there um the only time we go in we would go into private session is if we're looking at member dip, discipline um and at that point it, it for the protection of the org that uh, uh the discussion needs to be pr private the outcome does not so the answer to your question is no, I don't feel it's appropriately transparent. The first thing I would do is to separate uh, employee and other sensitive stuff um, and then the general workings of the board, uh, including financials, uh, need to be more readily available uh, to the membership. Okay. What's there? Okay. 
Are you good? Is that? I think that's the only. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, if we could do those things, the the trust will come with it. Uh, trust is nothing. Is nothing that's going to come fast. Well said. All right, Luke. So I got four things that I, uh, I, I it could be a long list, but um, do I feel that the leadership decisions are appropriate, transparent? Absolutely not. Uh, what would I do? Uh, so the four things that came to mind right off the top, uh, requirement for board meetings to be video recorded and available to membership. Um, if, if I had all the power, I would hard code that into the bylaws. Uh, the next one would be eliminating executive sessions entirely. Um, once again, I would hard code that into the bylaws if I could, um, absolutely anything that wasn't, uh, you know, and I, I don't fully understand Delaware law and whatever else, but pretty much absolutely anything that, uh, is not legally, legally prohibited from being discussed publicly would be discussed publicly into including member discipline. Um, and then the, uh, the third one would be hard coding into the bylaws, uh, that member discipline, there must be, you know, a much more accessible list and, and description of who's banned and why and, and documentation there. And then the fourth one would be developing new budget templates and, uh, and, and templates for how the budget's communicated to members. And then, um, and those templates obviously communicating significantly more detail than the current um, the current template, basically communicating everything that the board can see. That's four. All right, Kevin. So that brings it to brings it to me. Um, I agree with both of these two gentlemen. It is not transparent enough. Uh, so no, it's not transparent enough today, and it needs to be more transparent. I'll also tell you that much of the board, if not all of the board, feel that way today. Um, there's a there's a great deal of focus on trying to improve our transparency. Um, I th I think that we should be able to do that in terms of a meeting. As Scott pointed out, it'd be nice if we could televise the thing. Right now, hard coded in the bylaws is a is a you know the that the board meeting is closed. I run a I run a nonprofit. I've been in a, a government um, government board setting. And when I was on the government boards, everything is open to the public, open to, you know, the, the constituency I can't even talk. And, um, I, I don't see any reason why we can't do it that way here, but it's going to require some restructuring of the topics in order to do it. I think it'll, it'll take time, but I think that's important. I think transparency in the finances is also important. One of the things a board is doing right now is is the the focus uh, with a newly hired uh, part-time CFO? One of the focus items right now is to develop uh, P and Ls on each of the national championships, for example, and make sure that we're watching we're watching where each one of these championships sit, and make sure that uh, we're making appropriate decisions based on that. I think that's a good example of where we can improve our transparency. Um, I do think, however, there are certain topics that involve uh, personnel issues that um, need to be reserved where discussion uh, happens uh, behind closed doors. The results don't have to be private, but the discussion needs to be private. Uh, that's been my experience at other boards, and I think it's true here as well. All right, and this next question along the financials again 
is do you support the release of area match expense reports and or complete accounting of nationals level spending and we'll start with luke uh i mean release to who would be my first question but yes um uh, like i said answering the last one um i want to see all the numbers um you know the the area matches so let me let me start with national level spending because the national level spending uh is obviously hq that's part of their budget and we can see a very top level view of that right now um so complete accounting of nationals absolutely um area matches are are very strange because the org right now does not extend its nonprofit status and do, does not allow the area directors to run the area matches under the HQ business. Um, they're all their own separate entities, either nonprofits or businesses. And, um, and because of that, now you're, you're extending that require, you're, you're forcing someone to create a business, you know, on the side and then extending that requirement for them to, uh, to flow all those finances back up. So um, do I think that, uh, those area match expenses should be uh, released, yes. Um, but I think the whole system on how area match, you know, how the area matches are hosted and handled is, is kind of broken right now. Um, uh, back, I want to make sure I reread the question and answer this. Um, yes, I absolutely uh, support the release of area match um, expenses and and the report out of that and as a matter of fact i intend to do that for area three match that was held back in august we've just now gotten the final version of it in my mail literally today and i intend to share it and it will show those that look at it that we actually made 40 bucks from uh, area three you know that's uh it's an amazing amount of work that went into uh building this thing um but I think they should be released. Uh, they are re they are required by the by the bylaws right now to be released to the section coordinators, and it's up to the section coordinators to release them to the to share that with uh, their um, underlying clubs that are that are part of their section. Uh, maybe we can improve upon that, but for sure it should be released. Uh, the national matches, same thing. Uh, we should share uh, the results and where we're at and make our decisions based on that. So that's my answer. Scott? I think you're muted, buddy. Yeah, Scott, you're muted. There you go. Uh, financial transparency, yes, financial transparency is very important. Um, you know, area matches and national matches have quite a significant fi financial outlay for the competitor. Um, and it, they need to know where does it, where does their money go. Uh, at the same time, we need to realize uh, that this information will always lag the match. Uh, I mean, Kevin's just now they're just now wrapping up Area Three. I'm honestly surprised that it's done this quickly. Uh, there's always a lingering bill, uh, a receipt that uh, is lost uh, and found. Uh, it takes a long time to to wrap all that up. Uh, but yes, the, that stuff does need to be available. Okay. Next question, and we will start with Kevin on this one. Is that right? Yep. 
Okay, Kevin. How do you intend to influence the worsening budget deficit? I think I've talked. I think I've provided some answers to this, but I'll so I'll try to uh, briefly touch on them. Um, first of all, I think there is a budget. Uh, there has been a budget deficit right now. One of the first things we did was we we had, uh, and this was done before I became an interim director, and that was a they hired a part time CFO who came in and did an assessment of our financial reporting and tried to break that out and improve the report. Uh, it's been substantially improved. And I think that'll get focused where it needs to be, where we need to focus and not on the, the turbulence of the market, which was affecting a lot of the numbers, making it look uh, much worse or conversely in the past, much better than it really ought to. Um, but I'm concerned that this is a, we're in uh, special times as Scott talked to earlier right now um, because of the because of the increased um, cost of of ammo because of the lack of components for those that reload or the cost of the components when they can get them um, it has really affected uh, a lot of the clubs I've talked to many of the match director directors and section coordinators about this topic and it's not unusual for them to tell me that their numbers are down about 20 percent and this can't help but have an impact on and I ask them why, and they point to both of these topics, right? Availability and cost. And so this is this will end up rippling into um, into the national uh, HQ numbers, right? So I think it's more important than ever that we're uh, we're diligent about trying to uh, get this under control. I think part of of um, the worsening budget deficit are the things we've just been discussing now. I think the I think we need to be transparent on our on our finances for each of our matches. I think that that is a is a big part that will add up to this uh, uh, management of the overall deficit or the the budget in general. I should say. All right, Scott. Yeah. I did it again. There you go. So, um, I don't understand how the investments of the org affect the decision making when it comes to budgeting. Mm. Um, you know, I've run, I've helped run a nonprofit with investments for over a decade, and those two things are held separately. I don't understand how that is even part of the discussion. It sounds, and Kevin, this is not a reflection on you mm -hmm. um, because you're late to the party on this. This this really harkens back to 2019. Things changed. Um, we, sh you know, for my local club, we've been talking about this for 18 months and preparing for it and adjusting our spending accordingly. So I don't understand how market forces can have any play in uh, making a a budget worse or better uh, or deficit spending worse or better. It, it, they, they should not be intertwined. If, if you're spending based on the performance of your investments uh, as an organization, it, something's wrong. Um, so the first thing we need to do is we need to separate our investment portfolio 
from the day-to-day spending of the org. If this is a some sort of trust or something that we're drawing money out of it, um, that needs to be more defined and better defined and better controlled uh, for the life and the long-term health of the organization. Uh, for the life of me, I cannot understand how we're even having this discussion uh, about the market affecting spending. What's going on? Um, uh, on on top of that, um, you know, why you know we have to look and see where are our expenses, right? So, um, you know, we had a CFO in house. Uh, he seemed to have a pretty good resume. Um, I don't understand how, you know, and I've heard this not just from Kevin, from other board members that, that it's a, a lack of reporting. Uh, it, no, it's not a lack of reporting. You know how much money is spent. Uh, I mean, all, uh, all four of us on this call here have run a budget in our lives all the time. Either you're good at it or you're not. Um, and if you're not and the credit card bills are too big, then there's a problem. Um, and so the first thing we got to do is get a, get a hold of our spending. We are not the U S government. We can't spend into oblivion. Um, and if that means that we don't hold six nationals or four nationals or however many we're doing them, then maybe we don't hold four nationals. Um, this, this lack of income is not going to turn around quickly. This inflation is not going to turn around quickly. We need to be planning for the next three to five years of this. And so how am I going to influence uh, the voice of reason when it comes time to, to writing checks and swiping the credit card? All right, Luke. So I uh, agreed with what Scott said um, in the sense of this organization. Oh, well, it, maybe, maybe not. But the way that I see it, this organization does not have an income problem. It has a spending problem. Um, the income seems to be fine to me. Um, in, in the other things that I was mentioning, as far as bylaw changes and the other questions, I was referencing actual proposals that I've already drafted up. Um, in regards to the budget, I've combed through all the IRS documents, all the budget, already drafted up a proposal. Three main points in order to decrease our expenditures right now. Uh, in 2021, per the IRS Form 990, the Front Sight Magazine lost the organization $164,000. Uh, in, in, in my world, in, in the modern age, I see magazines as being significantly antiquated. And um, my motion would be to discontinue all activities relating to front site, push all information electronically and directly via the website and the newsletter. Uh, the second part of my proposal would be uh, looking at uh, the physical USPSA offices in Washington State. Uh, once again, last year, they incurred over $400,000 in expenses. Um, and from my understanding, there's an average of one person or less there on a daily basis uh, with a max of four that even physically live in that area. Uh, it's work from home. It's the modern area. Can cancel the office lease uh, and cancel all other costs or services associated with that physical office location. The third aspect that really jumps out at me is stuff that we can cut expenses in the org is uh, the travel. We had uh, $260,000 in travel expenses last year. My understanding, uh, uh, there was two individuals that had over 100K each personally, um, though I understand travel can be an essential part of the jobs. Uh, I, I don't understand how we get to 100K just in travel expenses, not even including meals. Um, there's currently no documented travel policy for any of the employees. I think that's something that needs to change and could potentially significantly rein in those expenses. So in summation, Three actions that would save the org about a half a million dollars a year. 
All right. Okay, so we're starting with Scott on this last, this not last question, second to last question. And these uh, last two questions do have to do with uh, disciplinary action, essentially. So the first question is two part. I'll post it in here and then I'll read it. Should members uh, subject to discipline be entitled to discovery of evidence being used against them? And do you think the current disciplinary system provides adequate information to the membership so that it deters similar behavior? Yes and no. Uh, and to expand on that, um, I, I don't care if you're talking about a, a kid, uh, a, a, an employee, you can't discipline without telling them what they've done wrong. And you need to be very, very specific. If you don't want the behavior repeated, uh, then you have to define what they're doing wrong and and what is going to happen if they continue. Um from my side of what I've seen of the of what's happened and 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 we're talking about the bands right we're talking about the bands uh, from what I've seen um you know and we've only seen one side of it because the USPSA's answer has been no comment um you know pretty much everyone that was banned published their letter uh online and they were not given any information on what they did and if, if you can't tell me what I did wrong, how can you punish me? That doesn't seem right. Um, and so, um, you know, in, in my term on a, on a nonprofit, uh, we, we banned six people in whatever, 15 years, whatever it is. Um, two of them left the range with more holes in their body than they came with. And the other four were uh, other... Uh, law-breaking type activities. Uh, but in all cases, they got a specific letter from the org's attorney with exact items that they did wrong and exact steps that they could take uh, to either preserve or restore their membership. That's the only way I could see to do it. And Luke? Should members be entitled to discovery of evidence? Absolutely. Um, I don't know what else to say there. Absolutely. And uh, and with the current ones, just as Scott said, the letters said absolutely nothing and they've been given nothing. Uh, do you think the current disciplinary system provides adequate information uh, to the membership? No. And that's another aspect of it. You know, I, you know they, they were given nothing. Uh, but when looking at, okay, if you're as an organization defining what behavior is acceptable and not, then you have to communicate exactly what behavior led to a suspension or a ban. Um, and without doing that, you've left everyone wondering, oh, if I, if I do this or if I say this, am I going to get banned? Where, where no one has an idea where that line actually lies. Um, in the current view, whether you like it or not, in the current view of the current board of directors, um, they're going to draw the line where they draw the line, whether you like it or not. We don't even know where that line is. Um, and then as far as solving that, once again, I have a proposal that uh, 
is a bylaw change that adds uh, that a list of suspended or terminated members is available to the membership. And that list must include a detailed description of the specific actions taken by that member that led to the suspension or termination. And that would be how I fix the problem long term is adding that to the bylaws and uh, integrating that into the website. Right now we have a feature, but you got to know the person's last name and it has no detail on what happened. And Kevin. So given my current position, I'm limited as to what I can say here. I will tell you that it is my belief that we should do a better job in this whole arena. And I think... Um, uh, we need to use this experience to go back and revamp the way that we do um, take actions such as these. I think it needs improvement. Okay. And so uh, this will be the last question submitted. And then uh, we'll do kind of a, a free form to end it where I'll give each of you a chance to kind of give your area director a spiel. Um, but this will be our last submitted question and it is, and we will start with Luke. Is that right? Start with Luke. Yep. Uh, and this, this question is a little hard for me to follow. Y'all are probably better at it, but I will read it. I'll post it first. Then I'll read it. Is there a difference between direct pointed criticism of area directors in their actions, whether as directors or private individuals, and criticism of USPSA, the organization? Explain your answer. It's a tough one. No, I don't see a difference. I mean, I mean, it's it's kind of like the the hobby sport thing to me. Like, yes, no, maybe doesn't matter to me. Um, the uh, people can say what they want. Criticism is fine. Um, I haven't. I've yet to see. I guess, uh, yeah, I, I don't see. I, I've yet to see any criticism of the org that I thought crossed a line uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, so. Uh, is there a difference? I don't know. I don't care. Uh, criticize, criticize all you want in my view. Okay. Kevin. That, that brings it to me. Um, I believe, um, there is a difference that the board was trying to focus on. And that is, uh, let me put it this way. C criticism, uh, criticism is welcome. And in fact, there is no way we can improve everything. We Every year we execute on USPSA or any other endeavor for that matter, we need to use our, our experience and our uh, to, to uh, alter our judgment going forward and improve, uh, improve continuously. That's a whole, whole idea. And um, we, um, and so criticism that leads to constructive uh, improvements of the organization is the right thing to do and, and is welcome. And I speak not just for myself, but the, I think the, the board has stated that multiple times. You cross the line when, when you uh, bring dis, disrepute to uh, the organization in general. Um, the real thing is how, how, can we, uh, how can we improve going forward without, you know, uh, trashing the organization, I guess, is what it comes down to. I see a distinction there. 
Okay. Scott? So I think in any elected role, you have to expect uh, to come under criticism uh, in all forms, uh, whether it be uh, social media, uh, in-person emails, phone calls. Um, and if you aren't ready for that, then maybe this role isn't right for you. Um, and, uh, you know, the criticism comes in a lot of different forms. Um, but ultimately, uh, I think uh, the majority of it is a, uh, a, a request or a push for change. Um, sometimes change is good, uh, but change is painful for everybody. Um, as people, we don't change until the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of change. Um, and so if uh, the, the most common question I've gotten since I've announced my candidacy is, why would I want to get into that mess? Um, and the answer to that is, I think I can make it better. And more importantly, uh, I can't imagine what I would do without this sport. Uh, this is, I literally do something for this sport every day of the week, whether it's my own fulfillment through dry fire and making ammo or planning the next match. Um, you know, I've got a match tomorrow night. Um, uh, we're planning next season. I mean, Kevin and I had a long discussion this weekend planning Area 3 this year. Uh, I plan on helping with the match whether I win or lose. Um, area 3 is my area. Uh, I've worked it before. I'll work it again, no matter who the leader is. I'll be there to help and make sure that we have the best area match, no matter what. And part of that is the feedback. Um, all the way through the match, uh, Jared was there, I, you know, I've asked, what did you think of the stages? What do you think of the food? You know, what do you think, uh, you know, um, that's one thing that my team will do, uh, after this last match is get together and say, Hey, what did we do good? What did we do bad? Um, and not everybody's going to like you. You got to know that. If you want to see it, go to the Google reviews for my home range. There's someone on there that really doesn't like me. <laughs> so that's my answer. Okay. Gentlemen, thank you for your answers. And we will end with your area three pitch or spiel, whatever you want to call it. We're going to go Kevin, Luke, and then Scott. So Kevin, go for it. Okay, um, I too, like Scott, have Scott just commented. I've been asked uh, uh, many, many times. The most common question people ask me when I tell them I am running, they say, "Why do you even want to get involved in this?" Uh, and my answer that I give them is always the same. Um, I've been involved in this sport since 2009. I love this sport. I participate in the sport at all levels. I as a as a match director, as an as a CRO, as a competitor, um, I, uh, I I'm uh, always looking for ways to improve the sport. Um, we've taken a number of actions at the local club to continue to grow and entice young shooters into uh, learning about USPSA and introducing them and bringing them up in this. Uh, I just I, I really love the sport. I. I see the issues that we've been discussing here tonight as opportunities to improve. Um, I think I can help. 
based on my experience, based on uh, based on my love for the sport, I think I can help address these issues and do it in a constructive fashion that we can continue to uh, to, to grow and thrive um, and overcome these challenges. So that's that's my goal. Right. And if people want to get a hold of you, how would they do it, Kevin? Uh, you can always reach me at USPSA th- or at uh, Area 3 uh, at USPSA.org. There you go. Luke. <coughs> so my campaign, pl- campaign platform has three major points, free speech, financial integrity, and transparency. I've covered all those, you know, different proposals I have in those areas. And those aren't just uh, words or or ill-defined ideas to me. I have written proposals ready to be motioned at a board meeting um, on exactly what I want changed. Um, and then the second aspect is um, I obviously see things very differently as far as how things could be run and that uh, giving more of a voice to a people and uh, viewing the director position as more of a facilitator and an organizer and a logistician uh, in order to le- you know uh, enable the people to make decisions. Um, and, and that's that's something very different that I bring to the table. And if people want to get a hold of you. Uh, Faust9057 on all social media platforms. And then uh, also my website, uh, faust.systems backslash area three. Thank you, sir. Scott. So um, my campaign is is really based on integrity, uh, transparency, and service. Um, the way I view uh, an area director is your role is to is to serve the members of your area, um, and you do that uh, by promoting and helping. Uh, both the section coordinators all the way down to the club presidents to make sure that matches can happen, uh, that they're successful and have the support that they need to be successful. Uh, On top of that is uh, your uh, responsibility to make sure that the area match happens. Um, But it all comes back to that service. Um, we can't, as an organization, we cannot succeed without the membership. Um, and so, uh, sometimes I think we've lost sight of that. And how do you get a hold of me? Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, but the best way is uh, uh, just Gmail, my Gmail account, uh, sarnberg uh, at gmail.com. Excellent. And folks listening, Area 3 residents, You've heard it from your candidates here. It's up to you to make the decision whether they, they answered the question to your liking or answered the question at all. So uh, make your choice and cast your vote. And please do vote if you care at all about the sport. Um, Jared, you have anything you would like to add? Gentlemen, I just want to thank all three of you for uh, jumping on here, having a discussion with us. I know for uh, a couple of you, a short notice and uh, – you know, the planning for this basically started on Sunday at Iowa. So I really appreciate you guys jumping on, talking with us and, uh, you know, sharing your, your platform and your message with the members. Uh, I certainly think it's beneficial for everyone to know 
where you're coming from and what your ideas are. Yes. Excellent. Well, thank you, gentlemen, and uh, you all have a wonderful evening. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes, thank you for the opportunity. Welcome. Oh, stop recording, damn it.